Well, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. I'm, I'm so grateful to be worshiping with you this morning. I want to welcome you all this morning. The theme of the worship today, as expressed in many of the, sermon, the scriptures and the sermon, is joy. So I wanted to read the 66th Psalm, the first verse to you. It goes like this. Shout with joy, all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. So may the shouts of our hearts and the joy that we experience in our life come through in this worship service this morning. As we sing this opening hymn, it's hymn 16, you'll hear the theme of God guiding our feet, which will be another theme of the service. So may God guide our feet right now. To our feet, we'll stand and sing hymn number 16. in the litany of confession and invitation. Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we gather for worship. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. As we travel with this journey of faith, let us look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When we look to Jesus, we enter into the very presence of God, bringing us joy and peace. Yet we confess that we have so often been distracted by idols and life's cares 
rather than looking to Jesus. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. So grateful to be with you this morning. As I said uh, in the opening, the theme of the sermon, at least today, is going to be about joy. And so you'll hear many things about joy in some of the songs. And also, one of the themes you'll hear is guiding our feet. We'll hear in a moment uh, in the hymn of dedication, uh, the old African-American spiritual, Guide Our Feet. That's the insert uh, that's in your order of worship. We're also blessed to have uh, Dr. Steve Sheely with us today. Uh, to be playing the hammered dulcimer uh, in just a few minutes. We're grateful to have you with us, Steve. The sermon and scriptures uh, dwell upon joy, but you won't hear joy in all the texts. I've, I've highlighted the one I think that really talks about joy the most. There's some hard texts this morning, um, talking about jo- uh, God's coming judgment, uh, the cleansing for God's people, Isaiah's passage about the vineyard and the cleansing of God's judgment, the so-called little apocalypse that's in here. But Hebrews is what I'll be focusing on, and it's about the race of discipleship, the journey of discipleship, the joy that's set before Jesus. So may we dwell upon whatever brings us joy this morning as we hear the text read and the music sung and played. Let's continue our worship. The prophet tells of God's coming judgment, a reading from the book of Isaiah. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice of vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done to it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled upon. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, and he saw bloodshed. He expected righteousness, but he heard a cry. Here ends the first lesson. And now if you will pray with me. Most gracious God, we come this morning so thankful for the life that runs through all of us who are present this day in your house. It is often taken for granted that we can arise take care of ourselves, make decisions for the day and our lives, and be fairly independent. Yes, yes, life is good, and every minute is precious. We thank you for our very lives. As the scripture says, we want to be good gardeners. We want to dig and clear and plant and prune and produce good fruit. 
but often we fail to take notice when a need is there. The need to provide help for a neighbor, the need to nurture a relative with addictions, the need to visit a friend without a job, the need to forgive an action that we never thought we could forgive. Help us to move beyond expecting only good fruit from our labor, but to see the growth in faith as accepting what comes when we have done our best to be faithful. When we don't get what is promised, please may we know that you, God, have promised something greater, that through our perseverance, through our perseverance, we will see the greater good of faith. We know that you came to bring division as long as people seek hatred over love and dissension over harmony. Forgive us when we believe the gospel is easy and we forget its radical nature. Help us to speak up to address this division and to call for a larger, deeper loyalty to the worth of every human being. That is our mission and our joy and the fulfillment of your gospel. We offer prayers for some of the most faithful of us who are suffering, faith and gratitude that Dan Oakley is at last at home with his Deborah, healing love and support to Nancy F. Davis, who is rehabilitating at Lynbrook, and prayers of shared grieving with Barbara Ashley, whose 99-year-old mother passed away on Wednesday. Barbara's life of love is seen here every day in every way, and we know that that was also the heroic life and love of her mother. And now we come seeking to be led like little children, but praying boldly the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Surrounded by faithful people and keeping our eyes on Jesus, we can enter into God's joy. A reading from the letter of Hebrews. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put, form, put former foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and in holes in the ground. Yet all these, they were commanded for their faith, commended for their faith, 
did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken the seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Here ends the second lesson. Children, I invite you all to come forward at this time. We'll sit up here on the red carpet. If you have an offering, Pastor Daniel has a, he's got the offering plate for you. Jake, good morning. Y'all come up here closer to me. Come up here. Come sit right here. Levine, come over here. Van, come over here. Come closer. 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 Okay. This is good. I'll turn this way. Jake, we'll turn this way. Goodness. Well, good morning, everybody. This morning, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Jesus. Do we talk a little bit about Jesus almost every Sunday? Yeah. So you guys know a lot about him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked some about Jesus this morning, right? Yeah? You know, though, there's one thing that I always like to talk about when we get a chance to talk about Jesus, because we talk a lot about Jesus at Easter and at Christmas and a lot in between. But there's one story about Jesus that I like a lot, and it's special to me. Did you know that when I was a little girl, your age and your age and your age, I used to go to a church, and we had every Sunday this time together, and we called it Moments with the Children. And you know, I was very joyful when I got to get out of my seat and come down front and listen to Pastor Sandy or Pastor Leon. They would tell us a story and a lesson, and you know, they would look right at me. And they would look right at my friend Caitlin and right at my friend Emily and all my other friends. They looked right at me. They didn't always look out here like the rest of the service. They looked right at me, and I was right down in front, and I liked that. And we liked it because that was a time just for us. And do you know something? I got to thinking about that. I liked it a lot when I was a little kid. And I remembered, kind of, look, I brought flat Jesus. He came back to make an appearance. You know he stays in my office. He waits to come back. He also likes it down front all in front. I brought you this, the part of our book, and you may have this book at home. You see this picture? This is Jesus right here. Look, he even has on red, like my flat Jesus. You see? Who's he got with him? Kids. Where are the adults in this picture? And are they using their arm like this to say, Go. One of them is, looks like they're kind of gesturing towards who? Jesus. And you know, this picture tells us a story about a time when Jesus said to let all the little children come to him. See, he was very busy and he was doing things and his adult friend said, Jesus, Jesus, you don't have time for these kids because their parents were like, go, go and see Jesus. And Go near him and be blessed by him. And they were like, no, no Jesus, you don't have time. We've, we've got to move on. But you know what Jesus said? He said, no, I have time. I want the children to come to me. And he did. He had them come close to him. And he placed his arms on them, and he hugged them, and he let them know that he was so happy with them, and he wanted them to be near him and hear him and always know how special that he thought they were because I think that children brought Jesus a lot of joy. And I think that because of that, we can, and he wanted to share that with them. 
And I think when someone shares with you, they say, you bring me joy, I think that's powerful. And I think maybe it makes us a little bit more joyful too, right? So maybe we can share that joy with others, like Jesus. Let's have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who loves all of us and especially loves us children. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go, guys. Jesus speaks of the cost of following God. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Day, and I want to begin by asking you all a question to be pondering, and that is this. When is the last time that you experienced 
joy. Think about that. When is the last time that you experienced joy? Was it today? Was it this morning when you got up? Or is it a distant memory? Has it been a long time since you experienced joy? And I'm not talking about last night when you raided the fridge and got into the Ben and Jerry's either. That can bring happiness, but it won't bring joy. When's the last time you experienced joy? I've been thinking about that really all summer long. I'll tell you why. I had a conversation with a, a spiritual friend, and we were talking about my discernment of a call to ministry several years ago in Knoxville, Tennessee. And during that time, I experienced a lot of emotions, but I don't experience a lot of joy in the early discernment process. I remember feeling anxiety. I remember feeling fear. I remember feeling like, oh, where is this? Where are things going? So I was telling this story, and it was a well-worn narrative for me. I could do it in my sleep. I hadn't really questioned it or thought about it. I said it. My spiritual friend just looked at me and said, how did you experience joy in those years or in that time? How did you experience joy? And I just stopped. Usually I I'm, I'm, can give a response. I, I just stopped and I began weeping, actually. Not with tears of grief, but with tears of joy. Because I realized that God had been so powerfully present during that entire period that what I had experienced been, but had been so spiritually immature that I could not understand it was that I had experienced joy. Because I had been in the very presence of God who cared and loved for me, who cares and loves for you at a period of time that I thought was quite trying, at a period of time where I thought I needed a lot of endurance and a lot of perseverance. And I experienced joy in the rearview mirror. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. This passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, it has a, an, a very unusual phrase in it. Translators fight about how to render it. I like the version that we have in our NRSV or the NIV too. But the part I want to read, it goes like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and disdained its shame. That's a rather unusual phrase. And I realized in, in reflecting this summer upon the conversation that I had with my spiritual friend that I didn't really have the first clue about what joy was. I mean, it's like she had introduced it to me somehow. I never really thought about it. And, and since then, I've been looking for joy in my daily experience, in my daily spiritual life. I think the first thing I want to say to you is that we need to distinguish between joy and happiness. Happiness, as you can see, if you really think about it, happiness is conditional upon the acquisition and the maintaining of everything in your life, the stuff that you have, the relationships that you have. So as long as you can pay the mortgage and uh, the job is going okay, you got a pretty good shot at being happy, even though I've met people who aren't. And as long as the relationships are working out okay, you got a shot at being happy, although I've met people who aren't. But see, you can be happy and have no relationship with God. you believe that? I've met people who are atheists who claim, and I don't have any reason to doubt their reporting of their experience, that they are happy. And yet, I do not know if they have joy. 
Because I believe, as Barbara Brown Taylor has helped to teach me, and of course she got it from the Bible, she didn't make this up, that joy is entering into the very presence of God. That the only condition that's required for the experience of joy is the presence of God. That's it. So all the stuff you have, it can go away, but you can still have joy. So happiness is something different. I was thinking about a TV show that uh, Mary Frances has enjoyed watching recently. It's a, that Marie Kondo show that's on Netflix. Anybody know this Marie Kondo? Yeah? This got a few more amens than my last TV reference. <laughs> I, I'm trying to hit a broader demographic <laughs> with my Netflix viewing. And, and I'm no Marie Kondo expert, but I, but I understand the basic premise is this. Um, Marie Kondo, a lovely woman, she enters your home at your invitation, I guess. She comes in and you've got all this stuff in your life just piled up, right? You got shoes, you go into somebody's bedroom and you can barely walk through it. And Marie Kondo comes in and she'll pick up something and, and, and you'll look at it lovingly, maybe a tear in your eye. And, and she'll say, does this spark joy? in your life. And if it doesn't, you're supposed to get rid of it, right? Well, I'm touring through some of the closets and bedroom drawers in our house, there's some really neatly folded clothes because someone named Mary Frances has watched Marie Kondo and she has picked up on her organizational techniques. And we've gotten rid of some things that weren't bringing us joy, but the deeper spiritual truth is this. If everything in that house, I mean the contents of the house, the books, the wedding china, the clothes, the shoes, the knickknacks we got on our vacations, if they all went up in flames tonight, we could still have joy. You believe that? Our joy is not in the things that we have. It is in our relationship with the living God. I think, too, of Jesus, who is the character study that I want to talk about today, that comes out in Hebrews, as one who lived a life of joy like no other. Jesus knew and experienced joy in a way that no one before him had ever experienced or no one since Jesus had ever experienced. If you understand joy to be entering into the presence of God. He did. You know, when, when Jesus, when, when the news reached that Jesus was going to be born, and Mary heard from the angel that she was to be an expectant mother by the Holy Spirit. She went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, of course, was in utero at that time, and in utero in Elizabeth's womb, he leapt for joy, Luke says, just in the presence of the news that the Savior of the world was entering into the earth. And then when Jesus was to be born, you know what the angels proclaimed? With good tidings of peace and joy. There'd be great joy. Wherever Jesus went, he spread joy. But he didn't always bring happiness because he, he demanded a new way of life from people, a new orientation, and that made some people sad. You know the story, of course, probably quite well from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to flip over here and show you how well I know my Bible. It's the first gospel. It's the rich young man in the 19th chapter of Matthew. You know that story? A man comes up to Jesus and he asks, Teacher, what must I do or what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded and he said, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and it's almost like he interrupted it. I mean, he didn't get through the Ten Commandments. And the man said, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the Bible says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. 
Jesus did not always bring happiness with the gospel. And the gospel doesn't always bring happiness in the way we're defining it. It always brings joy. It always brings joy. Because it always ushers in the very presence of God. I think of the metaphor, the analogy, rather, that I've read from Hebrews 12. The author of Hebrews imagines this journey of faith as a great race, as a foot race. And he begins by saying that we are surrounded, that well-known phrase, by a great cloud of And those of you who were so fortunate to be downstairs during our church school hour heard testimony from four people about the great cloud of witnesses that had impacted them. People in their faith journey that had shaped who they are. And you might be thinking now about someone in your life who is a, a witness to you. Maybe that person is deceased. Maybe that person is still living. Maybe that person is here in the room with you, or maybe they're thousands of miles away. But they are a witness to the power of God in your life. And it's like this idea of you racing through the journey of discipleship that all the witnesses are up there in the balcony. They're, up, they're in the amphitheater. They're in the stadium, however you want to think about that. And they're cheering you on. Okay? And you might look out and you heard red. There's going to be some unusual people in the sands, right? Jephthah, if you want to know about him, whew, that's, a, that's a dangerous story. Open the book of Judges. Samson, interesting. Samuel, David, all these people, Rahab the prostitute, all these people who are sinners like us, who we can draw upon for commonality and experience, and yet they have lived lives by faith, even if they were deeply flawed. They're up there too. And maybe your Sunday school teacher's up there, and maybe your mother's up there, maybe your father, maybe your spouse. They're cheering you on. So that's the first thing. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And then it says that you should throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Here's the way I'd translate that. Get rid of all the stuff that is slowing you down in your journey of faith. Nike, not the ancient Greek goddess, but the apparel company, makes billions of dollars through its sale of athletic apparel. And they sponsor athletes in the Olympics. I've never worn these because I'm not an athlete and I couldn't fit into any of the clothing that they manufacture for the professional athletes. But they, they say of their aerodynamic equipment that it will help reduce the aerodynamic drag of the athlete. You know what that means. You can shave up to 0.0123 seconds off a 100-meter sprint time, Nike says. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news to Nike, but in ancient times, in biblical times, the way that you got ready for a race, you might come out with the robe on, but you got rid of all your clothing to race. Now try to shave off time from that. <laughs> you just can't do it. Likewise, there might be things that are weighing you down that are slowing you down in your discipleship journey. For me, confession time, it is all the distractions of the modern world with uh, email and social media and Netflix. Even as I was trying to get in a quiet place to prepare to speak about joy, ding, notification goes off. Oh, let me check. There's an article about Marie Kondo. Maybe I can share that with some people, that can drag you down. Of course, sin drags you down, the author of Hebrews says. There's all kinds of things that, that can slow you down, distract you from your race. And it's contextual, so only you know what that is in your life. But spend some time reflecting on that this week. I encourage you. What is keeping you from your discipleship journey? It may be as simple as beginning a practice in the morning of having quiet time of reading a psalm, of carving out space from your normal routine of checking what's happened electronically and getting into the very presence of the living God. 
Try that. See how that goes and, and report back to us. But Jesus removed all the weights that he had, all the things that hindered him. Do you know what he did at the beginning of his ministry? He went into the wilderness. For 40 days he went into the wilderness. And he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness and all the things that could have weighed him down, the trappings of power and the temptations to exercise the considerable and unlimited power that he had, he refused. He got rid of all that. He got clear in his thinking. He got right with God. He entered into the very presence of God. He got rid of all the things that kept him from finishing the goal. That's why it's so important that he begins his ministry in that way, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the author says, let us look towards or let us fix our eyes on Jesus. As we're running this race of discipleship, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, I have never heard of anyone yet who, who won a foot race by looking out into the crowd as they ran, by looking away from the finish line. Well, there's Grandma over there. She's cheering me on. Let me just look at her and somebody run past you. I've never heard of that happening. Runners always are keeping their eyes forward on the goal. And likewise, we follow one who perfected his faith for all people by staying focused on the goal ahead of him. I think of the story when Jesus was uh, arrested uh, in the Gospels. Simon Peter pulled his sword and chopped off the ear of a servant of the high priest who came to arrest him. And Jesus said, put away your sword. He said, don't you think that I could call down legions of angels from heaven? Don't you know, this is my translation, that I could do whatever I wanted to defend myself in this situation? He could have become distracted. He could have kept his eyes on Simon Peter or on the high priest or impressing other people, but he had a goal in mind. And nothing that was going to happen would deviate him from that goal. He kept his eyes on the prize. He refused all temptation in order to finish the race. And so can we. I think of um, Joy as I've defined it today, is entering into the presence of God as having no greater culmination than on Easter Sunday, really. That it, it, it completely transformed the past and completely transformed the future. There was no greater joy than Jesus breaking down all the barriers, all the old barriers that prevented people from accessing God and promising the ultimate defeat of all the principalities and powers that would prevent you from entering into the presence of God, and promisingly, ultimately, that death would be defeated. That happened on Easter Sunday. So that on Easter Sunday, everything, by God raising Jesus from the dead, has been redeemed. Everything has been recreated. Everything has been reborn. And there were no more barriers on experiencing God's love. Everybody could have joy, and now, thanks to God, everyone can have joy. So my question for you is, why not start today? Amen. At this time in the service, we offer an opportunity to respond to the message that you've heard through sermon or through music, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can come forward if you'd like to be prayed for or you'd like to join our church or dedicate your life to Christ. We'll sing a hymn, and it's the insert that's in your order of worship, Guide My Feet, the old African-American spiritual, and Keith will come forward to help lead us in that song.
may be seated. Amen. I want to sing a few more stanzas of that. We may do that. I neglected to say earlier that for those of you who are with us as guests, we welcome you. I hope that was fairly implied. But we invite you also to fill out the, uh, on the edge of your, your worship guide, there's this tear-off sheet. And in a moment, the offering plates will come around if you have time to fill that out. And also, for anyone who has a prayer concern, fill that out and put that in the offering plate in just a moment. This time, the service always bring concerns and celebrations and announcements. I want to bring a few to you this morning. There will be Pinnacles, a special edition of the Pinnacle that's available uh, on either of the exits today. Um, just two sheets, front and back, and they announce that there will be a special church uh, called Church and Conference next Sunday, August 25, directly after the worship service, downstairs in the Fellowship Hall, and it'll be for one purpose. It'll be to consider the steeple replacement ad hoc committee recommendations and to vote on that recommendation. If you look on the back of the pinnacle, there's an architectural rendering of what the recommendation is by that committee. And there's also a blown-up version of that in the fellowship hall. If you want to see it blown up, go check it out. That'll be next Sunday. Uh, missions announcement. We're collecting books for prisons in Georgia. Um, my understanding is that we'll have through um, maybe mid-October to get those together. Uh, and so if you have books that, you, um, that aren't sparking joy in your life, um, bring them in. The only, the only parameter um, is that it, it shouldn't be anything... Uh, too violent or too suggestive, if you get my, my drift. Those are the parameters from the, the prisons. So bring those in. We've already had hundreds of books brought in. We'll be donating them um, to the Atlanta uh, prisons who are in dire need of that. Um, I got a letter from the Buckhead Christian Ministry that was in my mailbox this morning thanking us for our recent contribution, talking about how um, because of the contributions of churches like Northside Drive, we have helped save a family from eviction, We've helped teach them uh, financial management skills and done many other things that help the community. So I wanted to, for you all to share in that joy of the, the ministry partnership that we have with Buckhead Christian Ministry. Finally, um, prayers. Um, you heard Mary pre, uh, pray earlier um, for these folk. I wanted to highlight for you that Barbara Ashley's mother, Emma, died last Wednesday that her funeral will be this coming Saturday in Sevierville, Tennessee, at the First Baptist Church in Sevierville. And if you need information about the times for visitation and funeral, if you could see me, I'd be happy to give that to you. Saw Nancy Davis last Wednesday. She is doing well, and she misses her church family. And I told her I would be there to preach the Vesper service in a couple of weeks, and so we'll stay connected in that way. And then finally, we do have a celebration to celebrate with Dan Oakley that he was released from Piedmont last Wednesday and got a good report from his wife, Deborah. So we pray for his convalescence and continued recovery. Um, as I mentioned before, we're so uh, blessed to have Dr. Steve Sheely on the hammered dulcimer who will now help us continue our worship. Thank you, Steve.
There were great cries of joy in the earth. Babies left in their mother's wombs just to be in His presence. And we thank You that we can have abundant joy this morning. And we give You thanks for the gift of Your providential care in our life and for Your love of us. And may these gifts that we bring be offered to You for use and service in Your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. Now hear this good word. Depart now in the fellowship of God the Father. And as you go, remember, in the goodness of God you were born into this world. By the grace of God you have been kept all the day long, even until this hour. And by the love of God, fully revealed in the face of Jesus, you are being redeemed. Amen. Thank you. 